0: Buenos dias. Let's try that again. Buenos dias. Good morning. I am excited to be here. Like Kurt mentioned, we are, uh, I am uh, the pastor for Casa one of the uh, pastors here. We're excited to be here. Um, Before I start, I realize that I don't know everyone here. I realize, but we'll solve that really quick. So at the count of three, I want you to say, hi, my name is, and then say your name. That way I, I can, you know, understand and we are no longer strangers. So at the count of three, just say, hi, my name is, and then say your name. So one, two, three. All right. And my name is Kevin. So now we are no longer strangers. Now we're familiar. Welcome to Pearl and Vineyard. I am excited to be here. I am Kevin Rivas and I am your friend. I am excited to be here. Um, we are, we, we've been the last couple of weeks, we've been in a series, uh, We Are His Witnesses. And if you haven't been with us the last couple of weeks, we've seen chapters 1 to 3. And I really want to quickly catch you up. If you haven't been here, quickly catch you up on what's been happening in these last couple of chapters. Chapter 1 of Acts 1, we're looking at Jesus comes back from the dead. He, re- he resurrects. And He's hanging out with His disciples for about 40 days and just teaching them about the Kingdom of God, teaching them about God and next steps. Before His ascension, before going back to heaven, He is telling His disciples, Hey, I want you guys to go to Jerusalem because I have something special for you. I have a gift. I have a promise that I want to give you guys. So I want you guys, after I'm taken up, go to Jerusalem and just wait. Okay, that's pretty much the gist of chapter 1. Chapter 2 of Acts, the Holy Spirit, or this gift that Jesus told them to wait for, arrives in chapter 2, and it's an amazing, it's an spectacle, it's something that's just mind-blowing. So mind-blowing that everyone is speaking in tongues, in different languages, and everyone there is understanding what they are saying. This opportunity gave Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, a chance to speak. Peter, uh, Peter takes advantage of that moment and addresses the crowd and tells them, Hey, listen, all this that you're seeing was predicted, was prophesied many, many years ago that God would do this to His people. So he said, he was telling them, he was encouraging them, Change your ways, turn back to Christ, repent, and ask for forgiveness of your sins and be baptized. So... Everyone who heard Peter's speech, liked Peter's speech, got baptized, and guess what? The first mega church was formed. 3,000 people right there. I mean, that is quick. 3,000 people. After that, they were learning, they were getting together, they were being community, they were praying, and just something amazing. So that's chapter 2. Chapter 3, which we saw last week with Kurt teaching us. We see the story of a man who could not walk from birth. He was crippled from birth. Peter and John, again, one of Jesus' disciples, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, were able to give this man an opportunity to walk, something he had not experienced before. Now he was able to walk. He was able to experience that for the first time in his life. So now, obviously, naturally, this is drawing a large crowd. This is drawing interest from the people because the person who could not walk is now walking. So again, this draws another crowd, and Peter takes advantage of this situation and is addressing the crowd again and telling them that it was not them, but actually God that healed this crippled man so again he tells him he urges them to repent and turn back to God and Kurt was teaching us he, he was teaching us the challenges of living out faith the willingness to give what you have and then operating in a posture of faith he had an emphasis on the importance of prayer and community in, in our faith journey I believe his, his main driving point was an invitation to live a humble faith, to receive what you need, to receive what you need and give what you have and making room for the extraordinary God in your life. So today, that kind of wraps up the first three chapters that we've been seeing these last couple of weeks. And we're going to continue with Acts chapter 4. And we're going to read... Uh, a couple verses here just hang with me I, I, I'm just kind of trying to build some context but read with me and it says while Peter and John were addressing the people the priest the chief of the temple police and some Sadducees came up indignant that these upstart Apostles were instructing the people and proclaiming that the resurrection from the dead had taken place in Jesus they arrested them and threw them in jail until morning for by now, it was late in the evening. But many of those who listened had already believed the message in round numbers about 5,000. I mean, mega churches are just sprouting everywhere. So I want you to picture this. Peter and John are tossed in jail. They wake up in the morning. They are being questioned. And basically, they are being asked, what has given you the right to heal this person? They are in jail for doing something right. We pick it up on eight, uh, verse 8 and it says, With that, Peter, full of the Spirit, let loose. And he says, Rulers and leaders of the people, if we have been brought to trial today for helping a sick man, put under investigation regarding this healing, I will be completely frank with you. We have nothing to hide. By the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the one you killed on the cross, the one God raised from the dead, by means of his name, by this man stands before you healthy and whole. Jesus is the stone you masons threw out, which is now the cornerstone. Salvation comes no other way. No other name has been or will be given to us by which we can be saved. Only this one. They couldn't take their eyes off of them. Peter and John standing there so confident, so sure of themselves. Their fascination deepened when they realized these two were laymen with no training in Scripture or formal education. They recognized them as companions of Jesus. But with the man, the ex-crippled man right before them, seeing him standing there so upright, so healed. What? could they say against that. That is awesome. That is awesome. I mean, if your toe wasn't going up and down, I mean, yeah, that, was, that, was, that, that was awesome. So we're going to continue our series and we are His witnesses. And one of the things that uh, I, I want to share with you family is that I was introduced to the, to, to the justice system in a very peculiar way. And many of you will, will resonate with this, but I was introduced to the justice system um, when I was about eight years old, and one of my mom's favorite shows was Columbo. Okay, Columbo. Okay, okay. I, see, I see. Okay. I told you it was peculiar, and it, it was. I was amazed at the intricacies of this investigator, this detective, and his skills at unraveling intricate, very difficult murder investigations. I was just, it, it, you know, it, 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 he didn't have the look of someone who was witty. I mean, he was, I mean, he's, he's, you've seen Colombo, right? You've seen how he looks, right? But I learned so much. So around that same age, I was also introduced to, to Matlock, right? I was introduced to Matlock. And um, it, it's a show about a criminal defense attorney that in my mind it was simply brilliant, just brilliant. After watching several seasons of Matlock with my mom, I really had a better understanding of the justice system. I had a better understanding of the court system, of legal proceedings. But then I, I, I went to college and I started understanding a little bit more and I said, Well, those shows are old. Those shows are really old. A couple of years ago, I was introduced to a show called Suits. And it's a brilliant show, brilliant, brilliant show um, that delves into complex investigations, legal proceedings, and court fights, and high-profile lawyers, and high-profile clients. I mean, it's just amazing. It's great. But all these shows have something in common. All these shows share something in common, a common thread. It didn't matter if Columbo thought that he had solved the murder. It didn't matter if Matlock's client thought that he was going to lose the case or if Harvey Specter from Suits believed that his high profile client was going to go free and clear, it didn't matter. In most cases, many investigations reversed by one simple yet significant testimony of a witness. You see, a witness is someone who can give first-hand account of something that has been seen, heard or experienced. Last week we saw Peter and John under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We see him, we see him able to heal a lame man. They had performed a miracle on a man that had been crippled from birth. Crippled from birth. He did not understand what walking was. His life would never be the same. He would never be the same. His story would never be the same. People would never see him the same way again. When they would ask about this man going forward, he would no longer be the crippled man by the road. People would be forced to say, the crippled man by the road that was healed. The crippled man that is now walking. His story was forever changed. And now you can already imagine So many people gathering to find out what is going on. Something had changed. What people were used to seeing had changed. So today we see one of two pivotal moments for Peter to stand up as a witness. So as the crowd is gathering for looking for answers, Peter stands up and testifies as a witness. And if Columbo and Matlock and Harvey Specter from Suits were here, they would want you to know this. A true witness for Christ is only as good as his willingness to testify. So Peter addresses the crowd and becomes a witness for Jesus. And believe me, he is nailing it. I've never heard a sermon where 5,000 people Just completely say we want to be a church he is nailing it so much so that people's hearts are being punctured by the conviction of his testimony that it says that many who heard the message believed so the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000 I remember back in the day uh, my dad being a pastor we had a special time in service usually after worship service and we would open the stage We would open this opportunity, and people that might have grown that way might really say amen. Um, We had a special time that it was called the time of testimony. You guys remember? We would just open up the stage, risky, believe me, risky. We would open up the stage, and my dad would say, now we are going to open it up for a time of testimony. And then someone back there would say, testify, brother. Testify, sister. Testify. You guys understand what that means? Testify. And and I'll be honest with you, some testimonies were, I mean, 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 Sister Angela was 87, and she always came to give the same testimony over and over. I mean, I kid you not, we knew her testimony back and forward, and we knew what she was going to say. We would recite the testimony with her. I mean, we knew her testimony. We just knew it. You know, some testimonies were like, okay, we know this one. Some testimonies would make you laugh. Some testimonies would make you think and others would simply blow your socks off in listening what God had been doing in that person's life. So I want to ask you, How are we doing in that field? How are you doing in that field? Are we carving out time to create an opportunity to tell someone about our testimony? Are we really being His witnesses or are we secret agent witnesses? (laughs) You might not have a testimony like Peter, or you might not have a testimony like this ex-crippled man, but I can assure you that God has done something for you. Wow. Yes. God has done something for you. Amen. Because in reality, I should have lost my mind three years ago, but God showed up. You should have been another statistic, but God intervened. You should have lost that thisness, but God showed up. And all indicators, all indicators showed that you had to suppose to lose your faith, you had to lose your hope, you had to lose your joy, your peace, but God, all this time, has kept you and you're still here. Yes? And for many of us, maybe we won't be able to do a full discourse like Peter and address a crowd of 5,000. But I can tell you that a powerful testimony is simply saying, I am still here. I am still here. You are still here. You are still standing. And I believe that that is the power of your testimony. And it's time to take the stand. But listen to this. Peter's testimony gets him arrested and thrown in jail for saying the truth, for doing something right. Peter is in jail for being a material witness for Jesus. The same people that are supposed to be on Team Jesus, the religious leaders of those times, are the very same ones that are trying to silence him. But well, let's be honest, it's easy to testify and to be an eyewitness when people are on their side. It's easy to be a witness when people are agreeing with you. But what happens in closed quarters? What did Peter do? Keep in mind that he had just spent a night in jail. And now he's going to be questioned about healing this ex crippled man. And now we see Peter's second pivotal moment to be a witness for Christ. But because, because, again, remember, it's easy to be a witness when people are agreeing with you and you have no challenge. But now officials, temple authorities, are questioning Him. So this teaches me one important thing. A true witness for Christ will remain true to his or her testimony no matter the pressure. Any lawyer will tell you that in high state cases cross-examining a witness is one of the most gruesome process a witness will have to endure and cross-examination is when the other side of the court case has an opportunity to challenge the credibility of the of the, the witnesses testimony they question to test if the story is reliable and true and you know and this is where I want to really make a point. We have an enemy. We all have a common enemy that will stop at nothing to grill us, to cross examine us, will challenge our testimony, our being a testimony for Christ for what he's done for us. Hey, that wasn't really a blessing, that was just a simple coincidence. That wasn't really God that healed you. You just changed your diet and it was better. That, 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 that was not a breakthrough. That just, you just happened to develop self awareness and positive thinking, and maybe you did some yoga. You know, something. Well, that wasn't God. And it's all in an effort to trip us, confuse us, and make our testimony less credible. Those moments will come. The enemy will come, and it's his version of witness intimidation. But that is, not, that is not the time to buckle. That is not the time to draw back. That is not the time to become intimidated, to become confused. But like Peter, stand up, double dine, even though you're being questioned, intimidated, grilled, because I know for a fact that I was supposed to lose my mind. I know for a fact that I was supposed to be another drug statistic. I knew for a a fact that I I was supposed to die many years ago. But I know for a fact that that I had lost my peace, I had lost my joy, I had lost my purpose, my direction. But then came Jesus. I don't know if that's your story, but it's definitely been my story. But then came Jesus. This is the section of the passage that really had me jumping uh, in my office yesterday when I was kind of closing thoughts on on this message for today. And, And it had me jumping. Peter is being intimidated. He is being grilled. He is being questioned for doing something for this man. But look at what Peter did with that. And it says, with that, Peter, full of the Spirit, he let loose, let loose, Peter, full of the Spirit, let loose. And it teaches me that a true witness for Christ will boldly unleash, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And this is the reality. It only takes one bold witness, one courageous witness to change the mind of an entire group of jurors. One bold witness to change skeptics into believers. One courageous witness to change fear into hope. One resolute witness to change indifference to conviction. One determined witness to change a division into unity. And one fearless witness to change darkness into light. One true witness. This is my challenge question for you guys. What is stopping us? What has been stopping us? Many lawyers, many law enforcement officials will tell you that witnesses face many challenges to being credible, reliable witnesses. But I want to focus on what I believe is the most important challenge that a witness will face. The most important one, I believe, and the biggest problem is that the, the witness will themselves undervalue their own testimony. They will undervalue their own testimony. And it's not even exterior facts. It's the same person undervaluing their testimony. Police officers recognize and investigators recognize the crucial importance of gathering intel immediately after the incident. They know that it's important to gather the story before it's forgotten, altered or dismissed as insignificant to what's stopping us from testifying. I really do believe that we have believed the story, that our story has no real value. Well, I guess, I guess God did do something for me. I, I guess He did do something for me. But that other person's testimony is much, much better. No, no, no one really wants to hear my story. It's kind of boring. I don't think people want to hear about what I went through I think it'll make them feel a little uncomfortable what story have you held on your own that other people need to know what story have you believed that has stopped you from being a witness for Jesus I have something I have something to tell you it's time to let loose so wake up your neighbor Slap them and tell them, it's time to let loose. No, no, seriously, tell your neighbor, it's time to let loose. You have a testimony. You have a powerful testimony. You have something that God has done in your life. It's time to let loose. And I want to tell you something. The best testimony, start with this line. Let me tell you what Jesus did for me. The best testimony start with that line. So, And then you say, let me tell you what Jesus did for me. And then you just fill in the blank. It is your story and it has power. And when we do that, we boldly declare, we are his witnesses. I want to leave you with this. I'm killing it with time. It's awesome. So I did the best next thing. Um, as I was getting ready today, I was asking myself, man, wouldn't it be awesome? Wouldn't it be awesome if Peter was here with us today? And I could really get it from the horse's mouth, per se. Like, what happened in Acts 4? Like, I want to hear it from him. What, do we, what, 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 what would he say? What would be some parting shots he would give us? So I did the next best thing I texted him, right? I texted him. I mean, and I know, I know, since you guys won't believe me, I actually took snapshots of the text. You know, so I, I want to show you this. And this is what he had to say. I texted him. Watch. Watch. I told him, Hey, Peter, I got a preaching gig this Sunday, center stage on Acts 4. Give me your best one liners to, to share. So he says, Hey, Kevin, nice to be part of your 21st century sermon. So, Acts 4, where miracles come with a side of jail time, eh? First off, faith. It can make a lame man leap like a gazelle and leap he did. That's takeaway one. And then I say, ha, a leaping gazelle. Love it. What else have you got? I want to mention, though, as I'm, as, I'm, as I'm texting him, I'm realizing this is a funny guy. This is a really funny guy. So I'm trying to, like, really match his humor, right? So I tell him, hey, leaping gazelle, I love that. What else you got? And he says, let's talk Courage. When you're up against grumpy temple authorities, hold your ground. Stick to your convictions, even if they get you an all expenses paid overnight stay in the Jerusalem jail. I'm like, this guy is a comedian. This guy is good. So I tell him, hey, no one said standing up for truth came with a room service. I'm trying to match it. So I'm telling him, what's next? He says, power of testimony, my friend. After we made our defense, we turned skeptics into believers. It's like changing water into wine, but without the hangover. This guy is, seriously, he should. And I'm like, hey, haha, the power of faith. Indeed, any parting shots. And he says this, keep this in mind. God's approval is like an unlimited data plan. That's what we really want. Not the limited one offered by men. Stay faithful and remember that God's always got your back, even if you're up against the ropes. And I tell him, hey, "Amen." those are some knockout points, Peter. Thanks for the pep talk. And he just takes it away with this when he says, anytime, break a leg at your sermon, not literally, you know we can always be around to heal. Oh, my God. Man. You know, so I just laughed and like... I. So I want to leave you with this. Before we leave today, I want to be intentional in some ministry time, especially if you feel in your heart that God is calling you to really be His witness and to really be let loose. What has been keeping you from letting loose? What has been keeping you from telling your story? Have you undervalued your story, the power of your story? Have you undervalued what God has done for you? Incidentally, one of the other challenges that they say that witnesses face is memory. Memory. They simply forget the events that took place. So there's there's an immediacy to tell someone what's happened. And you might find it boring to say, well, God gave me another day to live, but that is a testimony. Did you know that 250,000 people die a day and you living today is a miracle, is a testimony? What has has God done for you today, this week? So I would ask you to stand to your feet and I would like to invite you. That if you feel in your heart that you've been holding on to a testimony. If you've been holding on to something that God has done, is doing, or you believe He is going to do. That is the power of your testimony. I want to open up the stage if you need prayer for your ministry time and you feel that tug from the Lord telling you, I need you to cut loose. I need you to share what I've done. I need you to be a witness in this world. If that is you, I'll ask the prayer partners, I'll ask small group leaders to come and we'll have a moment of ministry. We'll pray for you if that's the case. But I do want to pray for you. I do want to pray for opportunities where you can become a living witness for Christ. After all, that's what we've been called to be. God, we are, we are, we realize that you have done so many things for us. And I believe you've done things for us that we don't even know. You continue to do things for us, you continue to pour out your grace, your mercy, your healing. Your blessing over us. And I pray, God, for a spirit of boldness, for courage to stand up in the, in the face of adversity and contradiction and tension when, when we are up against people and, and situations where we have an opportunity to say our story. The power of our testimony. I pray that we are emboldened, that we are, that we have the strength to simply say, This is what God has done for me. And as we've seen in scripture, and as we've seen in this message, opportunities that were created to be witnesses for Christ. Let us follow in those examples. Let us not buckle in the face of adversity. Thank you for this time. Thank you for the people that have listened for the conviction that's growing in their hearts and their spirits. So if that is you, we, have, we want to invite you to the time of ministry. We have leaders. You need prayer. You're welcome to come. We want to pray with you. We want to pray for you. And I want to encourage you. Be a witness. You have a story, and it's time to take the stand. If you don't, if you don't have a story, but you have a need, that needs to be met. This is also an opportunity to ask for God to intervene. And that could start the first step of your testimony. And maybe you're here feeling like you, know, you need healing in your body. You need emotional healing. You need physical healing. You need an answered prayer. Your heart is broken. And maybe this is the lowest point in your life. I encourage you. This could be the start of that testimony, where you could say, I was at my lowest point, but God met me. I was feeling broken, shattered, confused, but God intervened. This could be the start of this testimony. So, With that said, I wanna bless you. I wanna encourage you. I encourage you to have an amazing week of worship. God bless you.